Welcome to the Medical Management Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up your practice. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Hello, and welcome to the MedMan Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Arnoldson. Today, we are going to be jumping into a topic that's been really kind of surprising and controversial as of recently. Um, the No Surprise Billing Act brought on by the Biden administration. I'm bringing one of my favorite people alive onto the show. He's one of our MedMan administrators and works for Women's Health Associates in Boise, Idaho. His name is Scott Tucker. Welcome to the show, Scott. Welcome back. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited because we, you know, this is for its namesake being the No Surprise Billing Act. I think we got into like the beginning of January and everybody was like, oh, oh, crap. Like, this thing kind of snuck up on us. <laughs> now we're all trying to figure out how it works and a lot of it is hospital-based so how much applies to us so you know for our listeners Scott and I really want to try and break it down and make it so that it's easier on you to be able to implement it and and do it right and not overcomplicate it to the point where it just adds a ton more work to your already full plate so Scott do you want to maybe give us just a a layman's version of, of what the No no Surprise Act is or is supposed to do? Yeah. So it really comes from people's frustration with not understanding medical bills and how they work, right. you know, to their credit and, and it's validated. All of us have gotten them and you get confused on what is what and who's billing for what. And a lot of it surrounds mainly, you know, hospital stays because you've got hospital services and you have the independent providers, radiology, anesthesia, lab, mm-hmm. uh, surgeons and whatnot that provide those services and bill for those services. And the other complicating factor that goes into this is in-network versus out-of-network, what's a covered service, what's an uncovered service, you know, the complexity of the insurance world and their rules, regulations, and understanding that one insurance, you know, take one of the bigger payers, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, United Healthcare, you know, they're all big payers, but they have dozens and hundreds of different plans within even right. their own payer. And those plans have their own specific rules. So it, it gets complicated. So I, I think this effort is to help patients navigate estimated costs. Especially those that are self-pay or maybe underinsured. And, and even more so those that land out of network, right? Like that's, that's really who this hit. Agreed. And, and the, other, the other group that I know are starting to see more, quote unquote, in the self-pay world are the patients that have these, you know, because they can afford these high deductible plans. High deductible they, plans, yeah. They know they're, in general, outside of something major happening, they're not going to hit their deductible. So when they have regular, you know, services for sinus infection or whatever, they sometimes opt to not even bill insurance and pay self-pay because right. depending on where you go, you can get a, a higher discounted rate for paying right then in full than you do billing your commercial insurance and their contractual allowance. Right. Just one more kind of unintended consequence of, of these high deductible plans that you know are meant to be there so that people could afford to get insurance. But boy, 
it leaves a, a wake of problems <laughs> for those that have them and those that have to deal with them. So, okay. So we know, we know what it, it's supposed to do. It's supposed to help these people that, that we've described get a better idea of what their costs might be, at least get an estimate of what costs might be for the healthcare they're about to receive. That's, that's the intended end result, right? Yes. Now, a lot of the law has to do with hospitals. We know that. But there is some that has to do with outpatient medical clinics. Absolutely. Can you maybe tell us the key components that apply to us? Yeah. So the biggest piece that, that applies, so obviously the No Surprise Act has the emergency situation, you know, as a completely right. different set of guidelines and, and expectations of both the outpatient and inpatient uh, side of things. But for the outpatient side of things, the expectation for us as outpatient practices is that if we have a patient that is out of network or self-pay for whatever reason, either by their choice or by, you know, just being under or not covered, or they want to get a service that is is a non-covered service under their plan, the expectation is that prior to that appointment, they get a good faith estimate is what it's called, showing the estimated costs of services that they may receive. Where that gets complicated for us is trying to determine what those are in, in order to provide this estimate for patients. The fortunate part of, of the No Surprise Act is they do give us some wiggle room. It's $400. So if, if the estimate that we right. provide is $400 less than, or less than $400 difference in, in what they're actually charged, they really can't dispute it. I mean, they can try, but that, that's the wiggle room, the grace period. That's in there, but anything over yeah. four hundred dollars, they can pay the twenty-five dollar fee to the government and do a uh, dispute of the bill. So for us, you know, I think that a lot of the, you and I have talked about this. That it's intended to take away a lot of the surprises. My opinion is that it's it's one step closer to everybody's charges being very transparent, right? Fee schedules being on the website. That's that's where I think this is going. With, with that in mind, what does a practice, what are the basic bullet points? Okay, you need to have XYZ, this form, done this time. What are those steps that a practice needs to take to ensure they're, they're being as compliant as possible with, with the law? So the good faith estimate, you know, there's a couple components that it has to be. One is the reason for the visit. And the, the good faith mm-hmm. estimate does, does specifically state diagnosis codes. The more I read about it, and I think, you know, looking into it, it, it's impossible to truly come up with a diagnosis code before. You can't, yeah, you can't do that. But I think uh, giving some more context to coming in for a sinus infection or, you know, something along those lines. And then the next piece is laying out the, you know, potential services for what they might receive and what that fee fee is. Obviously, before we see the patient, we have no idea what the level of visit's going to be. So I think it's reasonable and practical to somehow line that out, whether you list each level and what that fee would be, or you just say, this is our range. I think there's there's definitely a few ways to do it, but the goal being the patient right. shouldn't be surprised at what they're going to be billed for the visit. Then you get into lab testing and point of care testing and whatnot. And I think that's where it gets a little more tricky, but we all have you know, the common things we do for said problem. And you can still mm-hmm. provide, you know, some estimate with there. And you just have a disclaimer that you may get other stuff done. Feel free to ask for the estimate before it's done. And, you know, we can provide that yeah. for you. 
the last piece that has to be in there is the disclaimers. And if you just go to the No Surprise Act, there's it's about one page of disclaimers that you, you have to have in your good faith estimate. It's canned language from the government. It's not even created, but it basically describes what the good faith estimate is, what the No Surprise Act is for, and then it gives you the resources if you want to dispute your bill, how the how you go about that. And everybody needs to keep in mind that is not on us to deal with, that they have to initiate that with CMS and HHS. And obviously in the the fact finding of that we get involved, but they don't file that dispute with us and, and they need to file that mm-hmm. with the government. Yeah, it goes directly through the government. Yeah. Well good. I think that's super helpful. You know, we in thinking about the practical side of it, you know, for us at a, in a pediatrics clinic, we did kind of what you described of we have our range of new patient CPT codes. We have a range of established patient CPT codes. We have CPT codes for vaccines, some of the most common labs that we do. And then, yeah, we have the disclaimer saying, hey, if there's anything else, ask. You feel free to ask before we do it if it's not in one of these buckets. Labs is definitely where it gets tricky because we feel pretty good. Like we're not going to be off by more than $400 if we account for at least an E&M and a vaccine uh, administration. But like we're going to be within 400, but we start getting into labs all of a sudden that could be tricky. Um, right. But again, you know, we, it depends on whether you do pasture billing. I know at Women's Health Associates, you guys do a lot of pasture billing. So Women's Health Associates would be kind of stuck with it. Thrive, we don't, you know, we pass a lot of that off to our, our third-party biller or our third-party lab partner and they have to do the billing. Any idea of how that is accounted for if they do labs and they're billed directly by the lab company? So this is, you know, this is a where it gets a little tricky when you're reading. So yeah. you as the ordering provider have nothing to do with the lab and their fees. The way I, you read the rule is is really the lab company should be providing this good faith estimate to those patients. Now, practically, you see a patient in the clinic, the provider orders the labs, you draw the labs right there and send it to the lab. They don't really even have an opportunity to know that this is a, you know, a self-pay patient. So I think that is a a challenge. And then we also have to remember specifically in Idaho, we've got the Idaho Patient Act where that now goes into some of this as well is is the disclaimers and and notifications you have to alert your patients of, of potential third-party bills they may receive. So it that that one gets gets kind of tricky. I, there's definitely pros and cons to pass through billing. When it comes to this, it makes it actually a little easier because we have those yeah. costs. But if not, it's yeah. kind of tricky. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I think that that's all super helpful. Scott, remind us one more time if we're wanting to get that can language. I'm assuming we would just Google No Surprise Act disclaimer language or something yeah. like that. If you Google the No Surprise Billing Act consent form template, the very first thing that pops up is from the CMS. So it's straight from cms.gov and it has all the perfect supposed to be in there as far as also the requirements that are supposed to be in a good faith estimate. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you, Scott. I sure appreciate you being willing to pinch hit on such a not so fun topic, <laughs> regulatory compliance <laughs> and overbilling like that. Thank you for jumping in. Absolutely. And Scott's going to join us this next week as well for a much more fun topic as we get into how to handle uh, employee requests for pay raises. We'll have you back here in just a little while, Scott. All right. Sounds great. 
thank you everybody for tuning in today. I hope that this was helpful for all of the show notes, resources, anything else that MedMen does, please visit us at medman.com and please tune in next week. We'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Medical Management Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com. Thank you.